tiki tacker is common. Xavi and Iniesta tipping the ball back and forth. Galway are a lot further ahead than Roscommon at this. But Roscommon, as Jer said, are going to do damage in this championship. Subscribe to the OTBGAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. Off the ball, daily. Now, the Ashes get underway tomorrow with Australia hoping to retain the urn and come into the series as the world's current top-ranked test team. The Aussies have won four of the five matches in the series last year, which resulted in an overhaul of the English coaching team. Brendan McCullum appointed as their coach and Ben Stokes replacing Joe Root as captain as well. Since then, England have had a bit of a revival. They've won 11 of their last 13 tests, including the win against Ireland earlier this month. So it's all set up very nicely for the opening test at Edge Baston tomorrow. Delighted to say that Melinda Farrell is with us now. Melinda, how are you? getting on oh, well I, I'm, I'm exhausted do you know that the week leading into uh, the first test of an Ashes series is always frantic and it feels like this series itself you know it's been hyped up so much I confess I've not looked forward to an Ashes series ever as much as this one and uh, so this this week it, it really is but all, all the talking has, has now pretty much been done and it's one more sleep it's basically Ashes Eve and uh, I, I do feel like a, a, a little kid waiting to open up all the presents tomorrow morning. Well I did try and capture it in the intro how exciting it is with the form that these two teams are in so Australia on the back of their win against India have been incredibly consistent at test level and England have had this revival in the last year when it was all doom and gloom after the Ashes series in 2022 and they've fired into form and it seems that in Stokes they've got a really good captain as well so in theory even for those who aren't rooting for Australia on one side or England on the other if you're a neutral fan looking to sit down over the next four or five weeks and watch this uh, test series this is beautifully set up Oh, it, it couldn't be any set up any better, I think, especially mostly actually because of of England and the way they lost that test series in Australia, as you mentioned, that four 0 It was a miserable time for England. They were they were down and out. It was it, through COVID everything just went wrong for them and it was a really miserable series they just looked totally uh, beaten down and then since Ben Stokes and Brendan McCullum took over the revolution really as, as it's called Bazball, uh, the, the nickname that's been given to it which they don't really like but you know you can't you don't choose your own nicknames that's how it works it, it's been so incredible and all the way along throughout this period They've, they've played this aggressive style, uh, fearless style that has uh, just been a joy to watch. And, and each step along the way, the question has been, yeah, but can they do this against South Africa? Or yeah, but can they do this in Pakistan on flat pitches? Yeah, well, can they do it in New Zealand? And, and each time along the way, this wave that they're playing works. They make decisions and Ben Stokes as captain makes decisions that that just defy all conventional cricket wisdom uh, and it has worked so far so now the question of course is can they do it against Australia and this is a really good Australian team I think their bowling attack is stronger than it was in 2019 that drawn series over here that that when Australia retained the urn on, on that occasion uh, so in some ways they look stronger and and 
it, it, you just couldn't have you couldn't have actually set it up better. I'm just praying that the series itself is as exciting as we're all hoping it will be. I've no doubt it will be. Now I look at the way that England's newcomers have been working out as well, and unfortunately Ireland were the testing ground for England uh, just in the final, tuning up ahead of the Ashes. And England were very impressive over the last couple of weeks. And I look at players like Harry Brook, also Ben Duckett at the moment. Uh, you've got Ollie Pope who got 205 against Ireland uh, during that series as well uh, you look at Duckett's very impressive so his first 19 tests he's hit over 800 runs so some of these players who've come in to play under the new system are actually rewarding the coaching team for giving them a chance as well they are and, and a big part of the philosophy of, of Stokes and McCollum is is instilling confidence backing the players removing the fear of failure that is a real key to it and if you think about it if any coach in the world could actually successfully bottle the formula of removing the fear of failure well they'd make a fortune but even if you look at all of us in life we're gosh what would you do if you had no fear of failure what would I do there's so many things and I think that's part of what's made it so exciting but you mentioned a couple of those new players it's going to be really interesting because Harry Brook and Ben Duckett you know, have, this is their first Ashes series so it's Australia's first look uh, up close and, and bowling to these guys and it's their first opportunity to test themselves against what is an outstanding uh, fast bowling attack in particular for Australia and I think as well you have to take the occasion into account so if you're stepping out at Edgebaston this week or later in the series at Lords or at Old Trafford and it's an Ashes and it's a meeting of the two old enemies and the biggest rivalry in cricket that brings a different pressure compared to playing in series in the middle of the year realistically it, it certainly does. And sometimes you see a ball, I mean, we saw, we've seen sometimes a first ball can can set the tone, if you like, for a whole series. So I, I would expect it could be very interesting right from the start. And there's so many different subplots and narratives sort of throughout this as well. Uh, uh, when you look at the return of Moen Ali two years after he last played a Red Bull game and Ben Stokes sent out the SOS when they're, their spinner Jack Leach was was injured and Moe's back. It's it's not that doesn't make any logical sense whatsoever. But again, it's a it's a gut feel decision for for Ben Stokes and and so you've got that narrative too. How will he perform back in this sort of um, arena? And the, the sense of occasion really is, especially here at Edgebaston. The, the crowd here uh, is uh, notorious as far as being very loud, very vocal. Last time around, four years ago, they were brutal when it came to the likes of Steve Smith and Dave Warner in particular after the Sandpapergate scandal in South Africa. It was their first series back uh, playing for Australia. So I expect there might be a bit of that hanging around as well. Last time it didn't bother Steve Smith at all. He had this protective bubble that was truly a fortress and he just shut all of it out and didn't seem to hear a, a single word of it so he's a good one he's one who handles the pressure of the occasion very well but it, it is a, a notch up and and those players who are able to thrive on it but also block it out when they need to are the ones who may fare best. I would suggest if you're the type of veteran player who's willing to bring sandpaper into a series to try and rough up the ball, you're not going to be too concerned about a few boos coming during a match. You're probably going to, I would say, channel that in the most positive way possible, which is, here we are, the English fans don't particularly like us, let's go out and retain the urn again. 
Well, Steve Smith did here in that first test make uh, two scores in the in, a, in the 140s, so it really didn't bother him. He was player of the match at the end of it so uh, it definitely I don't think we'll be phased by that England say they've got you know they're going to bowl differently to him this time they've got their plans they've certainly used some funky fields over the past year since this cricketing revolution so it's going to be yet another fascinating narrative to just see what they do to Smith and how they try to discomfort him unsettle him get through that bubble that he creates so well you mentioned Moan Ali coming back in because of Jack Leach being out and I kind of looked through the squad here and Rue maybe Don Lawrence can spin a little bit but I think it'd be fair to say that they're not dedicated spinners or they're not maybe who you'd want as your first choice spin attack so you can kind of understand why they would go back to Moan Ali despite his time out of uh, the test team because they're going to need something to try and balance their spin attack here I, they they definitely will and and you know Joe Root certainly will oh, I'm, I'm assuming he'll probably bowl some overs at, at some point in time and he's he's quite a useful part-timer and sometimes has that knack of, of just getting wickets when you might not be expecting it. Uh, Moeen Ali, it was quite amazing uh, in this very room where I'm sitting at the moment, he gave his press conference uh, a couple of days ago and I, I can't think of any other player in the world, any other bowler who would be so honest as to sit up there and say, well, you know, I've never been holes up and uh, able to hold up an end in my whole career. So he knows they're going to come for him, but he's he's not there to hold up an end. He's, he's probably there really to take wickets uh, and, and be more attacking. So then how England sort of cope with you know, Australia going after them, it could backfire on Australia. It's happened in the past when players have gone for Mo and and have paid the price, but that's it's just incredible for him coming back. And there has been some criticism that you know they, there are all these players in in the county game who are the spinners plying their trade who haven't been called up. There is someone you know like a Liam Dawson or a Dan Lawrence who've been in the squad uh, and have been overlooked for the eleven. But it is it is Ben Stokes' gut feel, um, and he obviously trusts Moeen as well, uh, and and feels that he, he could send that to him. It, it was amazing. Moeen Ali said himself, you know, he he hadn't heard the news about Jack Leach, and he got a text message from Ben Stokes that just said Ashes question mark. He thought he was choking, and he replied with an LOL. Uh, honestly, I think if you if if you could get a screenshot of that text exchange, it should hang in the Louvre as a great work of art because that is absolutely brilliant. I think if you're more Ali, you might think that might have been a question saying, "Are you coming down to watch the Ashes?" As opposed to, "Do you want to be part of the squad here last second before it gets underway?" I mean, the other thing as well is you look at Australia's form coming into this, and it's it's really good. They've won six of their last ten tests, haven't lost to England since September of 2019. That was that defeat at the Oval, and then they're just after beating India really comfortably in the World Test Championship final just last week. So. Their recent form is good and their form even since the Ashes last year has been pretty strong as well. Very strong. They just had that tricky tour in India, which is always going to be very difficult going over there uh, and playing those four tests. So that that was obviously uh, a bridge too far for Pat Cummins' side. 
Yeah, I think conditions do suit them uh, a lot more than they do in India. There's a, a greater point of difference from Australia to India than there is from Australia here in, in, in England. Uh, so they, they do come in. And uh, although the World Test Championship final was clearly a, a really important event in its own right, and it did decide who was going to be the world you know, champions in Test cricket, it's, it had this double duty as as being a warm up in a way for this series, and and I think it was like the perfect warm up really for Australia because even though they won comfortably, it was five days of you know testing cricket. They had to you know spend a lot of time out in the middle. They were bowling to high quality batters. They were facing high quality bowlers. I think it's a, a far better lead in than if they'd been playing a county side sort of somewhere in the outer margins of, of England cricket. So for them coming in, they, they say they're still fresh. They're all available for selection, although they haven't named a team as yet. They're going to wait until the toss. Uh, so it, it couldn't have been much better, I think, as, as a lead-in for Australia to have a, a proper test as a, as a match to be, to, to be played just before the Ashes starts. You mentioned the captain, Pat Cummins, there. His record against England is very good with the ball. So 73 of his 220 test wickets coming against England. 33 of those have come on English soil. His economy rate is less than three and over against England. Sorry, less than three a wicket, I should say, against England as well. Um, This is a guy who seems to like playing against the English. Ah, uh, He absolutely does. And, And now that he's captain, you know, he has said that this... This whole tour, they've been referring to this as a six-test tour and they've ticked off the first box of winning the World Test Championship. But he did say before the world that, that match that this tour would probably define his legacy as Australia's captain. Even with all the other series he's played, matches he's won, uh, this this is it. And, and, you know, captains do tend to get judged on things like World Cups, but very much so for Australia and England. They're they're judged on Ashes series. So they also feel that in 2019, they let things slip at the Oval. Uh, They could have... They could have won the the series outright and been the first team in a long time. So it's still what twenty is it twenty one years um, since they? I can't remember if it's twenty one, twenty three. I can't believe I, that's that slipped my mind. But it, it, it's been more than two decades since uh, an Australian team won over here in England, won the series outright. So they felt they just left something. Um, in the in the bag when they were here last time, and they are very determined to redress that on this occasion. And when I look at some of the other players here, I'm sure Scott Boland has Irish blood somewhere in his ancestry with that name. Uh, but what a start to life for him! So he's played 111 innings so far. He's taken over 200 wickets, and he's had a five-wicket haul in there as well, uh, which is an incredible start to life in that Australian team. Well, his first match was against England at the MCG 18 months ago in, in that miserable series for England. And that was a miserable day for them, but an incredible day for Scott Boland, who has plied his trade in the, in the domestic circuits for many years, you know, in, gets into his 30s. He, he's probably feeling like with with uh, Cummins, Hazelwood and Stark, the big three uh, of Australian fast bowling, that he was probably never going to get his 
opportunity, and he did. And uh, taking six for seven in that in that innings, it was just incredible. He had the whole MCG rocking on that day, and he has what he has is the ability to come in and and bowl these wicket taking spells or even wicket taking overs where he takes more than one wicket in an innings. So and we saw him do that in in India and his ability to do that just means he can change the flow of a game so quickly uh, and it can be a, an, a point in time that, that then I guess d- diverts a game and, and defines how the rest of that match will go. So we don't know if he's going to play in this first test yet. It's it's pretty much two out of the three of, of Stark, Hazelwood and Boland along with Pat Cummins. Um, uh, it's it's probably that, that you'd say Pat Cummins wants to play every test he has said in this Ashes series. That they're, it's all being played within a space of six and a half weeks, so that's really taxing for the the quick bowlers. Uh, so there, it's every chance that that maybe none of them will actually play all five, and we will see a rotation. So I'm sure Scott Boland, if he doesn't get his opportunity at Edgebaston, will get it somewhere else. And he's it's averaging less than 15. It's just astonishing. Bit unhappy, I think he is, because he was averaging under 10 for quite a while. So he wouldn't mind getting it back down there. It's a great story and, and Australians are very delighted for him. We're almost certainly going to see a landmark unless something remarkable was to happen with Steve Smith. So he got a century against India in the first innings uh, in that ICC World Test Series and he's only 53 runs away now from going to 9,000 runs. So I think it will happen against England over the next few weeks and he'll become just the fourth ever Australian to do so. He'll move up into the top 20 in the ranking of runs of all time as well. Um, so I'm sure he's going to get a, a nice reception from the English fans whenever that inevitably happens uh, over the next few days. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, hopefully that has kind of died down. Me, me personally, I'm not a fan of booing whatever the team is, whoever the player is. It's just, it's not my bag. So so I, I don't enjoy that so much. I remember here when he scored a century, people were on their feet and they were clapping and booing at the same time, which was really, really weird. Uh, but... I, I may have died down a little bit. I, I'm not sure, but it's 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 hard to deny that since coming back, you know, you're never sure when a player spends that amount of time as he did when he was banned uh, out of the game. You're never quite sure if they're going to be the same player when they come back. And actually, you know, that series is probably his best series. And that first Ashes test when he got those two big hundreds. I mean, he said that was you know probably his favourite match because of the circumstances and it being his first uh, game back for Australia. So I, I think he's got good memories here, uh, and I, I know he's hoping that he can have a similar impact on Australia's fortunes. Yeah, Ben Stokes close to a big record as well. He's six wickets away from following in the footsteps of Ian Botham in this series too, because he'll have hit over five thousand runs for his country in Test cricket and also taking 200 wickets which is a very unique achievement uh, to be that good on both sides of the ball and you know there's two bowlers there who've got massive experience and have been a thorn for Australia over the years in Jimmy Anderson and Stuart Broad um, one of the guys I think was saying in the office recently that Anderson is now closing in on records from the 1930s uh, going into this but he, the two guys there when past Glenn McGrath and the late great Shane Warren uh, back in February as well uh, when they took over a thousand wickets between them on combined teams so that just goes to show how good both Anderson and Broad have been as a combo bowling for England together. 
Yeah, they have. And actually, it was interesting to see them both included in this test because I, I wasn't necessarily sure if they would or if they would plump for, for Mark Woods just because he's got extra pace. Uh, and that's a, a bit of a point of difference. Um, although Ollie Robinson, uh, Jimmy Anderson and Stuart Broad are all slightly different, they are all right arm uh, seamers. So it, it's, and you know, obviously Jimmy is one of the best ex exponents of swing. Really, they all are. Stuart Broad is. You, you look at you look at all of them. They they have so many weapons in their armory. Uh, but that has been one of the questions whether it, it's something that that England are lacking someone to be that enforcer to come in and shake things up to put batters on the back foot. We saw Travis Head was in brilliant form against India, and the only time he was troubled was when he when they bowled short and fast to him and bounced him. Um, do England have the bowling attack to be able to do that? Does Ben Stokes do it himself? Or does he ask one of the others to try and, you know, bring in some bumpers and, and try and discomfort when whenever they feel that that is necessary? So, it's going to be interesting to see how England cope with, with rotating their own fast bowlers as well. Uh, but at the same time, you can't you can't quibble with Robinson, uh, Anderson, and Broad. That's also a pretty canny lineup with, as you say, so many wickets between them. And Jimmy Anderson, I mean, he looks as fit as ever. I swear, he's cricket's Dorian Gray. There is a picture hanging somewhere in a basement of Jimmy Anderson, and it's all wrinkled with the teeth falling out and 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 all the muscles withered away. There has to be because he just looks as as good as he ever has. And I was going to ask you about Joe Root because last year I actually thought he batted reasonably well in Australia but he paid the price with the captaincy because of the way the series went in a more general sense. But I remember watching some interviews with him once uh, he'd been taken over by Ben Stokes as captain and Root was saying, look, this gives me an opportunity to focus on my own play. It's about how I'm going to bat from now on. And the last year his batting stats have been pretty good. Yeah. I, you know, watching Joe Root in Australia... I remember watching him and he in Sydney when he was sitting out in the middle of the pitch and he had headphones on and he, he was just listening to music and he just looked so forlorn out there in the middle of, on his own. And I think the thing with Joe Root as a captain, he's actually quite a caring person and a caring captain. You see it in a lot of interactions uh, with, with everybody, actually, with fans, with players, even with, with people in the media. And um, sometimes I guess the thing about caring so much is you can become careworn. And now I look at Joe Root and he's back to sort of the cheeky chappy that he was when Alistair Cook was captain in, in his younger playing days. And, and it's part of that whole thing I said earlier about removing the fear of failure and and having people around you who believe in you and and as Ben Stokes said today in making people realize that they're even better than perhaps what they think they are so their, their ability to instill confidence has certainly worked I think with Joe Root and and it's just led to another phase of his career and one which he looks like he's enjoying mm. I hate to reduce it down to at the end a prediction but especially oh. when you've got a case of so many interesting as you say kind of side stories and strengths and weaknesses on both squads and both teams coming in in good form so I won't ask you to predict the entire series here but for the first test how do you think it's going to go at Edgebaston? Oh 
I, th- I think the coin toss is going to perhaps play an interesting role. And because if, if Australia win the toss and bat first, you know, there might be a few down with a reasonable amounts of runs on the board. And if England get in first, you know, they might be all out on the first day, but they'll have put a mozza on the board and the game will be moving very fast. So I, I do think the toss might have a big impact on, on the rhythm of this game um, as we go. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's impossible to predict. I, I genuinely don't know. I, that, that would be my prediction that one of those two things will happen. There is some rain um, hanging around for day four and five. I, do, I would not be surprised if this test finishes on day three or day four. So whatever happens, I think it, it could happen quite quickly just because of the way England play. They lost big again in their first test against South Africa last year and then in the remaining two tests they came back and won big in the next two. So even though Ashes tests have a tendency to often be a little bit defined by whoever strikes the first blow, even if, if it doesn't go England's way in this first one, I wouldn't count them out from where they go. I know that's really fence city, but that's, you know, there's some prediction in there. I think so. And it's comfortable on the fence. That's what I've learned when people uh, clip these things in these days and it gets used against you when it plays out entirely differently to how we planned. Everyone will forget what the prediction was in two or three days time anyway. So it all kicks off Edge Boston tomorrow. The series then goes to Lords, Headingley, Old Trafford, and then we'll finish in the Oval for what could well be a deciding fifth test this time around. Uh, Melinda, it's been a pleasure to have you with us and uh, hopefully the Ashes uh, is as good as we've hyped it up to be ah my fingers across every single one of them toes too i'm sure it will be thanks for having me thanks a million off the ball daily